Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. President Trump gives the Chinese one month, a one month to seal the deal, to seal the trade deal or face tariffs on all of the exports to the United States. This as both sides continue to try to avoid a public breakdown in negotiations, despite what is, for lack of a better word, a stalemate. A stalemate here in the nation's capital between the na- between the world's two largest economies, the U.S. and China. <clears throat> this comes as the Chinese delegation, led by Vice Premier Liu Hua, is negotiating with U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. We're talking tariffs. We are still talking tariffs. And House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jer- Richard Neal. Richard Neal, the Democratic chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee. I stand corrected. I'm getting Jerry Nadler and Richard Neal mixed up. It's Friday, folks. Richard Neal, the Democratic chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, issues subpoenas on Friday to Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and IRS officials. They want six years of President Donald Trump's tax returns. Something tells me. Secretary Mnuchin isn't just going to hand them over. We've got an all-star panel. I've been looking forward to this panel all week long. Jason Miller, former senior communications advisor for the Trump campaign. He is former communications director for the Trump transition. And now he's a managing director at Teneo. And Adrian Elrod, Democratic strategist, Clinton 2016 presidential campaign director of strategic communications and former senior aide to Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. One month extension, one month extension. President Trump giving the Chinese one month to seal the deal. President Donald Trump's administration telling China it has one month or face tariffs on all its exports to the U.S. This is the Chinese delegation from Beijing, led by Vice Premier Liu Hua, trying to negotiate with U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, trying to negotiate with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. And this comes hours, just hours after President Trump imposed a second round of punitive duties on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. With me for the hour, Jason Miller. He is a top Trump insider. He's a former senior communications advisor to the Trump campaign, former comms director for the Trump transition, managing director now at Teneo, and Adrian Elrod, Democratic strategist, Clinton 2016 presidential campaign director of strategic communications and a former senior aide to Hillary Clinton. Appreciate both of you for coming in. Jason, you've been back and forth on on Air China 
in Beijing. Uh, what do you make of these trade, trade, trade negotiations with a one-month extension? So I think where we are right now is that the Chinese at this moment do not want a deal. And I think that's an important takeaway because over this past year with Ambassador Lighthizer and Secretary Mnuchin, they'd really made a lot of progress. I think they had been publicly reported. They had over 100 pages down for this document and uh, on such issues as cyber hacking and forced tech transfer and IP theft and all these, these very important issues that are ongoing. And I think President Xi is feeling a bit emboldened. He had all the, what, 40 or so global leaders um, in China last week for their Belt and Road um, conference, and they essentially are walked away from the table right now. Now, the reason why it's important that Trump continue the pressure here and stay on it is because of these broader issues, whether it be Chinese dumping or subsidized SOEs or currency manipulation, these are still issues that we're going to be facing against the Chinese in this global marketplace for decades to come. So that's why Trump has to stay engaged on it. But I think ultimately the president wants to get a deal done. I think ultimately the Chinese do not. Adrian, the whole basis of President Trump's reelection effort is on the back of a, of a good economy. And Wall Street has just completely gone up and down, up and down on all of these latest news of surrounding trade negotiations this week. The S&P 500 recovered from earlier losses on Friday, ending the day 0.4% higher, by the way. So it looks like Wall Street took a breath took a breath that this could have been even much worse. Mm -hmm. But what do you make of, of the president's one-month presidency or else? Well, we all know this, and certainly, Kevin, you know this better than any of the three of us here because you work for Bloomberg, but we know that the market does not react well to volatility. That is just the plain and simple truth. And given the fact that this is an in inconsistent policy, that Trump has made these crazy threats on Twitter and pu public speaking again, events against China, um, and sometimes you just don't know where he is. I mean, this was, we have to remember, this was a self-perpetuated problem that he created when he started talking about imposing tariffs on China, much to the surprise of, of many economists, many people in his own administration. Um, so I can understand why the markets are reacting a little bit more positively than they could have been, because we do know that we've got this one-month extension. But I would hope that President Trump would go into the, this next round of negotiations whenever they actually take place, and his advisors, and actually try to have a thoughtful, methodical discussion here, as opposed to throwing around threats, which he's been doing this entire conversation. But where I jump in and respectfully disagree on this is, is you talk about this future-looking global economic competition, the industries of the future, the robotics and AI and uh, aeronautics and everything that, that all the industries are going to be key. If we don't do anything to change the playing field and have it be more of a level playing field with us and the Chinese now, we're not going to be global players in 20 or 30 years down the road. And I think one of the keys for the Trump administration, this is a very important point, if they're going to be successful here, we have got to get allies on board with us also pressuring the Chinese because it's not just the U.S. where they're uh, playing these, these economic games. They're doing it to Japan. They're doing it to the EU. Well, both of the rhetoric coming out from Beijing as well as from President Trump is seemingly – they're at a stalemate. I mean, President Trump, just within the last hour, he tweeted, over the course of the past two days, the U.S. and China have held candid and constructed I'm sorry, candid and constructive conversations on the status of the trade relationship between both countries. The relationship between President Xi and myself remains a very strong one and conversations into the future will continue. In the meantime, 
The U.S. has imposed tariffs on China, which may or may not be removed, depending on what happens with respect to future negotiations. Now, uh, we're getting headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak that Chinese Vice Premier Lue Hua has also used the same language as President Trump's tweet, saying that the talks with the U.S. were candid and constructive. I want to give us just a little dose of color because just, I mean, being here in Washington, D.C., you've got Bob Mueller going to Martin's Tavern the other night. <laughs> and now you've got, you ready for this? You can't make it up. You've got uh, Chinese Vice Premier Lue Hua. He's got to have dinner, right? So where does he go with U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin? The Metropolitan Club. I thought this was Cafe. Wasn't Cafe Milano? Didn't well, something happen there something, too? Well, something the, always. That's place. Oh, that's Mnuchin's. Okay, got Something it. always happens at Cafe Milano. It's also Hillary's place, but that's another story. But they're at the Met- Metropolitan Club, and they're talking all about presumably the issues. Well, let me ask you, Adrian. What do you think the issues that they're talking about? Is it, is it specifically, specifically on issues of intellectual property, on issues of allowing the U.S. to penetrate into the the, the Chinese market. Uh, and I do want to get, we're getting a new headline now. Uh, Vice Premier Lue Hua also saying, headline on the Bloomberg terminal, that China and the U.S. have agreed to continue talks in Beijing, in Beijing in the future. Mm-hmm. I would assume that right now that means President Trump is not set to go yet, but that Lighthizer and Mnuchin will go back to Beijing, Jason to continue the talks. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like, so you're saying there's a chance. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Uh, from my perspective, I think that it's very constructive. I'm glad that, that the U.S. is continuing to have talks with the Chinese on this. I don't think the Chinese want a deal. I think they're going to try to ride out President Trump at this point. And, uh, but I think this is being very short-sighted because the next Republican that comes in is going to talk about democratic reforms within China. That will be lumped in with the trade negotiations. If it's a Democrat that comes in, they're going to talk about human rights issues and the Uyghurs and what's going on there. That's going to be interwoven with the trade talks. If the Chinese were smart, they'd take a deal with Trump because you don't know what you're going to get with the next president. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk more about these investigations. Maybe maybe – is there like a metric? Politan Club equivalent in Beijing. Who knows? Adrian Elrod stays Democratic strategist, Hillary Clinton insider, and Jason Miller. He is a Trump uh, former. Uh, he's a Trump World insider, and he's at Taneo Strategy. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The case that we've attempted to build is based on substance. We've stayed away from the fanfare. We've stayed away from, I think, uh, some of the hyperbolic conversation and we've attempted to reason this through based upon the advice of our attorneys that was uh, uh how that was democratic house ways and means committee chairman richard neal uh speaking earlier today about whether or not he would issue subpoenas to try to get president trump's tax returns and well he did by the end of the day he had issued subpoenas to try to get President Trump's tax return, six years' worth. He's issued those subpoenas to Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, as well as Internal Revenue Service Commissioner Charles Reddick. He's demanding, demanding 
that they turn over President Trump's taxes. Adrian Elrod is a Hillary Clinton insider, former senior advisor to the Clinton campaign. Uh, she's with us in studio, as is Jason Miller, Trump World Insider, former comms director on the last Trump campaign, the Trump transition. Uh, and now he's a managing director at Taneo Strategies. Adrian, I just don't think that the White House is going to say, you know what, we changed our mind. Here are President <laughs> Trump's taxes. So what's the play here? Well, the play here is that you've got a number of members of Congress and a number of senators, including some, you know, Republicans in there who are trying to make sure that Richard we get Burr. Richard Burr. <laughs> I know, right? He's kind of like the hero of the day to a lot of Democrats at this point. Yeah. Um, but but look, I, you've got a lot of people who are not going to stop until we get answers. And, you know, what this is what I always say. Well, I not always say I've been saying it a lot lately. Um, since the Mueller report has come out, which is if you look, if you take away the politics of impeachment, if you take away the, away the politics of congressional oversight and take a step back and realize this is actually co- Congress's function. This is th- their constitutional responsibility to conduct oversight of the executive branch. Things become a lot more clear. There are so many answers. And if Trump and his allies are able to get away with a number of things that they have committed um, in a number of outstanding issues that we still have to look at have not been resolved, then future presidents will think, oh, you know, I can get away with just about anything and Congress is not going to punish me for it. Therefore, I've got a free long runway here in order to do whatever I want to do. So that is why I am so glad that Congress is staying on top of this because you cannot give the president a free pass just because he's a pres- the president and just because you worry about the political risk involved with making some of these decisions. So where I'd respectfully disagree is I don't think it's an issue of Democrats not stopping until they get answers. I think it's an issue of Democrats on Capitol Hill not stopping until President Trump is out of office. And where you see them going... Oh, I think they may keep going when he's out of office. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're obsessed. But that's what this is ultimately about, is trying to get Trump out of office. They don't like the answers that they got from the Mueller report, and they essentially want to do over. And here's where my biggest beef is with the continued congressional drama. Actually, two big beefs here. But the the first is I don't understand what congressional Democrats think that they're going to get that former FBI Director Mueller wasn't able to. And so if, say, for example, take this nonsense of what, unfortunately, there's a Republican who falls in this mix of Senate Intel Chair Richard Burr, who, for reasons that boggle my mind, served up this subpoena to Don Jr. And I hope Don Jr. tells him to go pound sand. But what is it that Chairman Burr is going to figure out here that Bob Mueller couldn't? Adrian, what's, but the, fair point. I mean, what is it that, that Congress would be able to, to get that Bob Mueller spent 22 months, 2,900 subpoenas, uh, really a, a thorough investigation. I think everyone would agree. So what can, what can Congress get that Bob Mueller can't? Well, Bob Mueller's report is the roadmap. He laid out a roadmap for Congress to look into these issues. He was not saying, I am concluding on behalf of the United States government. That's it. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> he is simply saying, this is what my investigators, myself and my investigators found now, Congress, it is your job to determine what to do next. And that is exactly what Congress is, is doing at this moment. Jason, Adrian mentions the roadmap. And, and I think that's such a fascinating point, uh, especially when you try to look at 
all of the different questions that that a large portion of Americans still have uh, about these investigations. And actually, Congressman Adam Schiff, your friend, Jason, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Congressman Adam Schiff, a Democrat from California. I believe he's one of the folks running for president, right? No, he's he's not. He's he's one of three. uh, You're not not You're not running for president, are you? Um, I know it may surprise you, but I'm not. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, he was speaking with Axios earlier today. I can't keep count of the lo- – sorry, I apologize for saying this. But I think the lower it's great. Tier, the lower tier candidates, I can't keep count. But uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, he was asked about the roadmap that Adrian was speaking to and how to follow with our friends at Axios. Take a listen to Congressman Schiff. Uh, that's a big step. But, look, if we're going to consider other big steps like impeachment, we ought to consider – Uh, Steps like inherent contempt uh, that will allow us to get the information we need. Okay, so he was talking about the House Judiciary Committee voting earlier this week to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress. But there hasn't been a vote that's been scheduled for the on the floor of the House to hold him in contempt. That's why not, Adrian. Well, I think we'll I think Pelosi is is leading her um, Lieutenants, if you will, um, and they're having discussions, and you will see this at, at, at some point, probably in the near future. But I also wanted to hone in on something that Adam Schiff said earlier in the week, too. I think it was on, maybe it was on a Sunday show last weekend or during an interview with MSNBC. But he made the point that if we are going to hold votes on either censor resolutions or hold administration officials in contempt, let's do this systematically. Let's do this all in a uniform manner so that not every week we've got this driving the news. I think that's like very whack-a-mole. important. But I think that's very important for Democrats to do that because otherwise we do risk this taking over the entire news cycle, which frankly is not what any Democratic running in 2020 wants to see happen. It's also like, hard to follow, though. Exactly. I mean, it's it, like which which committee, which thing. If this guy's in content, this guy gets subpoenaed. There's this other subpoena, subpoena, subpoena. It's like what is the roadmap? I think I think Jason, you're going to agree with Adrian. I, I completely do. And I've I think, done it again, it, it, folks. I found uh-huh. an area where they agree <laughs> that you would. Send me you agree that. Should be since the resolutions on the floor too, Jason. Well, he, here's the thing: if they want to keep, if Democrats on Capitol Hill want to keep barking up this tree, every minute that Democrats on Capitol Hill are talking about impeachment or taxes or Don Jr. or some other aspect of drama, it's one minute they're not talking about health care or climate change or worker pay or anything uh, that voters are actually out there talking about. At a certain point, there's going to be a reckoning between candidates running for 2020 and Democrats on Capitol Hill saying, hey, guys, we're trying to run for president. You need to shut up. I got to say. Some of the rhetoric coming out of the White House is softer on China than it is on Richard Burr. I mean, like, they think, say what you want about Republicans, they eat each other alive when they like it. Uh, yeah, Richard it, Burr asked for this one. It's, it's, like I'm, it's like I'm back in Delco. Coming up, we switch <laughs> gears. We talk about Iran, the situation in Iran, uh, the geopolitics surrounding that, plus more on presidential politics surrounding trade policy. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Jason Miller stays, Trump World Insider, Managing Director at Teneo Strategy. Adrian Elrod stays, Democratic Strategist, Hillary Clinton Insider, uh, and former HUD, HUD Advisor, right? Didn't you work at HUD? Yeah, in like 1999. But the things that <laughs> I remember, you. the things that I Thank remember. Thank you for aging me here, Kevin. No, I didn't. No, you, you know, hey, you could have worked for Secretary Carson. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes. We've just started the Sound On Extra as well with Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. T-G-I-F. We made it to Friday. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. It's Mother's Day on Sunday. This is your reminder. It is Mother's Day on Sunday. Don't be that person. Don't forget. Call mom. Buy mom a gift. It was a busy geopolitical week, uh, We all week, especially with regards to two oil-rich nations, including Venezuela. The Trump administration threatened to sanction members of Venezuela's security forces after the nation's embattled president, dictator Nicolas Maduro, began cracking down on allies to the National Assembly leader, Juan Guaido, this according to the White House editor of Bloomberg News, Alex Wayne, reading his report on the Bloomberg terminal. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin, he has had a busy week. I mean, Secretary Mnuchin has had a busy week. He's negotiating with the Chinese. Democrats on the Hill are issuing subpoenas to try to get President Trump's tax return. And now he's got this situation boiling down in Venezuela. The Secretary of the Treasurer, put out a statement saying that uh, Venezuela's military and intelligence services, as well as those who support them, are being put on notice that their continued backing of the illegitimate Maduro regime will be met with serious consequences. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, a.k.a. to translate the Secretary of Treasury, it could be oil sanctions. Speaking of oil sanctions, Iran, there has been multiple, multiple uh, developments this week, specifically a couple of weeks ago with the decision to not renew waivers for Iran, for countries doing business with Iran, including China. Uh, And of course, now the threat of tariffs on commodities coming out of Iran as well. Yesterday on the program, we had Democratic presidential candidate and Hawaii congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard on. Uh, She was really delivering a blistering critique of the administration's policies. But President Trump, for his part, uh, has spoke earlier this week about Iran. Take a listen to what President Trump had to say about Iran yesterday. I look forward to today where we can actually help Iran. We're not looking to hurt Iran. I want them to be strong and great and have a great economy. With me in studio, Adrian Elrod. She is a Hillary Clinton insider uh, as well as a Democratic strategist. Uh, and Jason Miller, former senior communications advisor to the Trump campaign. Now he's a managing director at Teneo Strategy. Adrian, is this the right approach? I mean, I take it you disagree with the White House's approach to Iran? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to take a step back here, Kevin, and realize how difficult it was for the Obama administration to get this deal done in the first place. It was a very carefully constructed deal that took a lot of time, a lot of negotiations. It was very methodically thought out. And then Trump comes into the White House and rips the whole thing apart. Um, So I don't agree, obviously, with the White House on this. There's a lot at stake. I hope we can get this resolved. 
one thing that I am in particular, I am particularly concerned with is the fact that John Bolton, he's a military interventionist. He wrote an op-ed in the New York Times in 2015 basically saying the only way to solve the situation with Iran is to bomb them. Um, so that's what we're dealing with here. So it, when, we, when you realize how high the stakes are here um, and the fact that our own security, the United States, the security of the United States is at risk, um, this is something that cannot be taken lightly. And that's why so many people were concerned on, frankly, both sides of the aisle when Trump came in and ripped up this deal. Well, and uh, my perspective on this is that I'm glad that President Trump has taken this tough stand on Iran for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're the world's largest exporter of terrorism. And in fact, there's a great article that Josh Meyer from Politico wrote uh, last year called The Secret Backstory of How Obama Let Hezbollah Off the Hook as Part of the Iran Deal. And it's, it's fascinating as we talk Venezuela as well, uh, because Hezbollah is in Venezuela. They're in there now helping to protect Maduro, and it, it, all of this kind of ties together. But I think that we have to continue to put this pressure on Iran, uh, go absolute economic pressure, because at the top you have this theocratic regime. But the Iranian people, it was only, uh, what? 30 years ago that uh, actually people had more freedoms, but they've taken a big step backwards. So I'm glad to see the president being tough here. On the issue of where this all goes in terms of in terms of the presidential campaign, I mean, president candidate Donald Trump uh, ran as uh, someone who was not. He didn't want wars. And now you have Tulsi Gabbard's voice. I mean, she's a lower, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly. I wouldn't say that she's the, <laughs> she's the like voice a tier, of foreign She's policy. not even a tier four. She's yeah. like a fringe right. of the fringe. But I think, but, but, the, but the, right, I would, I would say the polling and data and my reporting would suggest that as well. <laughs> but uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of the American people's appetite to, to have military conflict with Iran, I mean, that, that is something I think that, that will definitely be at the forefront of, uh, of a foreign policy debate, uh, both in the Democratic presidential primaries and also on a main stage between the nominee and President Trump. No? No, absolutely. Yeah. Of course Americans don't want this. And there, there's no reason to have this. And again, this is why when President Obama constructed, and his administration constructed this this initial policy with Iran, this deal with Iran, it was so, it was such a precarious situation, but it was also something that was a huge victory when it was ultimately accomplished. And the administration at the time had the viewpoint that it's better to negotiate with them to ensure that they are not enriching uranium, that they are not ultimately putting Americans at risk. And, and the deal, although it was certainly was not perfect, and I think there are I think plenty of people in the Obama administration who admitted that at the time, it was very, very needed because we were living in fear every single day that Iran might do something to us. And now we're back in the same place that we were for no reason other than the fact that Trump wanted to take, wanted to dismantle what Obama had put together on this. All right, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit more about foreign policy, and we're also going to switch back to trade. Uh, panel stays Adrian Elrod, Jason Miller. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Friday. Happy Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day is on Sunday. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are talking all things politics, policy, and international politics as well. Uh, I want to get back to the trade issue that has dominated the streets 
attention uh, for all week. This, as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin have been negotiating with Chinese Vice Premier Liu Hua. They were all over town. They were spotted at the Metropolitan Club in Washington. <laughs> they were at the White House, the U.S. Trade Representative Building, all over town. And what happens? No deal. No deal. The, President Trump said they've got one month. The Chinese have one month before there will be uh, additional tariffs. With me for the hour, we've had fun this show. Jason Miller, we always have fun on Sound On. Jason Miller, <laughs> Republican strategist, former senior communications advisor to the Trump campaign. Now he's a managing director for Teneo Strategy, one of the most plugged in folks in D.C. to Trump world. Adrian Elrod is like the polar opposite of Jason Miller. <laughs> she is the most, one of the most plugged into Hillary world. Uh, she's a Democratic strategist, Clinton 2016 presidential campaign director of strategic communications and former senior aide to Hillary Clinton. How are Bill and Hillary? They're great. What are they up to? Well, they just finished this uh, speaking tour they've been doing around the country. Did you um, go? Uh, I didn't. I unfortunately was not able to go oh. when they were here in D.C., um, but I did see you were at a con- you were at the Fleetwood Mac concert. Yes, yes. With yes. Hillary Clinton. Jennifer Palmieri and I are huge Stevie Nicks fans. I'm a huge Stevie Nicks fan. Jason, are you a Stevie Nicks fan? I love Fleetwood Mac, but poor Lindsay. I mean, yeah, but they, they're they're okay with that. Wait, Adam. so what is it like? Okay enough, about, enough about the music critique. You're at a concert with Hillary Rodham. We Clinton. invited her to join us. We had an extra ticket. She. Uh, was excited to, to come, and it just worked out. Their, their schedule was was open that night, so we had a great time. What was what was like the favorite song that she bopped along to? I mean, you know, all, all of them were of great. Them. My favorite. I love Stevie Nicks. I, I mean, listen, landslide. But the, but the, the Clinton campaign song from Fleetwood Mac. Don't stop. Don't stop. That was during the encore. Wow. And we stood up, and that was the first time when I think. That the first few rows realized that she was there. Oh wow! So people started clapping for her and chanting "Hillary, Hillary" when we were walking down the stairs to uh, to go backstage. So it was really exciting. Fun night. See, folks, music brings people together. I like Silver Springs. Silver okay. Springs is a that's a great jam. Okay, great jam. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, back to to trade policy. Speaking of of all of this, can we I, just I, talk about Fleetwood Mac the whole time? I mean, I could, but my boss is sitting literally right next to me, and I don't think Christine Murata would like that. So back to back to pivot, pivot, pivot. Um, uh, back to trade policy, but I want to I want to look at it through the political lens because uh, Beto O'Rourke he is running for president. He's a Democratic presidential candidate. He actually discussed China on the campaign trail, uh, and 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 I want to play for you what he had to say about uh, about him weighing in on President Trump's tariffs with China. Here he is. I do not support the president's decision to enter this trade war to levy additional tariffs, which will provoke reciprocal tariffs which are going to hammer this economy. Why I find this interesting is because I can't find a Republican up on Capitol Hill who likes the president's tariffs. I mean, even if they're quietly saying, all right, like, we'll, we'll, we'll be patient, they're hearing from constituents from big business, small business. They don't like it. It's fascinating to me, Adrian, that Beto was able to capitalize on this and say, listen, I was a Texas congressman. I actually ran to the center of this issue in Ted Cruz in the Senate race that he lost. But still – Narrowly. Mean, <laughs> still a loss. <laughs> but – but that he was able to really capitalize this. I actually think you're going to hear this as a, as a, as a message from top-tier candidates. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially in states like Iowa, where a lot of farmers are already feeling the impact of this trade war. Um, this is absolutely going to be a talking point, and not just, not just a talking point. This is going to be 
a huge discussion that a lot of candidates on the Democratic side are going to bring up. We also know that many of those impacted, not just farmers, but many individuals in other industries in some of the most important swing states in 2020 are also being adversely affected by this trade war. So I think you're going to see it play out a lot more than maybe people initially realize on the campaign trail. And I think that if this escalates, this trade war escalates and continues, that it could be um, what ultimately defeats Donald Trump at the ballot box. So uh, I, where I, we would agree is that I think the economy needs to stay strong for President Trump to get reelected. And you look at the most recent numbers that have come out. We have 3.2 percent GDP growth. Unemployment is at a 50-year low of 3.6 percent. These are some great numbers. And this, I mean, the stock market is up fully a third since President Trump came into office. So even with all this going on, the economy is doing great. And who's benefiting the most from it? We're seeing African Americans, Hispanics, women grow. All right, but grow. tariffs. I mean, look, yeah, they're backfooted on tariffs. So on the tariff issue, I believe that the administration will have another round of farmer assistance that comes out, or they come in to help them. I think this is going to be critical. One of the things to keep in mind with farmers right now in the Midwest, it's not just tariffs. There are a number of different variables that go into this. So we talk about the flooding of the Mississippi River, the heavy rains they've had, they've delayed uh, planting of crops. So there are a whole host of things that go into this, not just the tariff issue. But going back to this central point, if we do nothing on the China front, our AI, robotics, all of these pharmaceuticals, all these industries of the future, we will not be global players in 20 years. But see, Jason, and you know this. I mean, truthfully, I, I mean, I've interviewed Republican after Republican after Republican, and they're all like, please, no tariffs. Here's Congressman Will Hurd, a Republican from, from Beto O'Rourke's neck of the woods, Texas. Listen to what Congressman Will Hurd had to say in Washington, D.C. earlier. He's a Republican from Texas. Here he is. China is an authoritarian government, which means, guess what? They don't care about pain impacted, you know, that, uh, of their electorate, right? They don't have an electorate of their, their citizens. And so they are going to be able to withstand pain longer than the U.S. economy. And so you don't want to get into this tit-for-tat with an authoritarian government. So there we have it. I think I think at the end of the day, though, the risk, the political risk for Democrats would be if they end up making a deal and then the tariffs go away. <laughs> but, but you think even, <laughs> even on the trade front, and you made this point smartly very earlier, you actually have Republicans and Democrats who are actually to the right of President Trump on this trade mm -hmm. issue. I mean, Chuck Schumer is out there saying don't give in to China. Marco Rubio is saying don't give in to China. And so uh, I think it's going to be very tough for a lot of these Democrats on the campaign right. trail to figure out where they can are. I, can I just make one quick point on something that Jason said earlier? Yes, of course, we have got to take a tough stand with China because we are dealing with currency issues or dealing with intellectual property theft. This has been an ongoing issue, but Democrats are saying we will not do this on the backs of our farmers. We will not do this on the backs of American workers. And that is what I think Trump is not taking into consideration right now. We got to leave it there. I'm so sorry. We got to leave it there. <laughs> Last word to Adrian Elrod, fresh off of the surfer trail, right? Yeah. Surfer trail. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me today. <laughs> Adrian Elrod, Jason Miller, two friends Thank of mine, two, two friends of the program. Very much appreciate the time. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It's Mother's Day this weekend. Do not forget on Sunday. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. 
I will say a fun fact about Fleetwood Mac that I had the solo and don't stop when I at high school graduation my senior year. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.